Turner, uh, founder of Enlightened Management. It's an artist management company in Toronto. Um, I also founded another company a few years ago called Turner Business Management. Uh, both companies are based in Leslieville, uh, which is also where I live. Nice. Uh, so music and dealing with uh, musicians and bands, um, how does, let, let's sort of take a journey. How does one get there, Andrew, from doing their Bachelor of Science at Dalhousie? Wow, I've been checking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, let me see. I did a, did a Bachelor of Science at Dalhousie. Yeah. Uh, I was all set to go to med school. Okay. Um, was mom or dad in, oh, a yeah. doctor? Uh, no, but they were certainly big advocates for med school. Okay. Um, I, Do you uh, want to go to Dalhousie? Here's some money to go. Yeah, go to yeah. School? I got scholarships and all that nice. stuff. Nice. And okay. then um, I really didn't want to go, so I went to see a career counselor, and uh, she said, what are you interested in? I said, business, and I love okay. music. Uh-huh. And I was running a College Pro Painter franchise and, at the time in Halifax, if you yeah, remember yeah. College Pro Painting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was this thing called an artist management grant with Canada Council uh, where they give you $25,000 and you got to spend a year <clears throat> studying with uh, like a manager. Okay. So my TA in my psych class was living in Rita McNeil's manager's basement. <laughs> wow. Right? All right. <laughs> and I kind of had a kind of liked her. So okay. uh, we were kind of hanging out a bit. And um, so I got his, her, Rita's manager's number, Brooks, yeah. and I gave him a call. Like, I think I called him three times to you before he returned my call. Sure. And I said, hey, man, I want to do this. And he's like, well, come into my office and I'll tell you why you shouldn't do this. All right. So I said, okay, sure, man. So two and a half hours later into the meeting, he's like, let's do this. And uh, He's telling you. Yeah, he's like, let's okay. do it. So uh, <laughs> he was my sponsor and we applied. It's like a huge grant application. And then I got called one day to go and... Um, uh, interview in Ottawa. So they flew me up to Ottawa. This, I walk in, this is a big, huge, long boardroom table and all mm-hmm. these people sitting out, they just grilled you for an hour. Yeah. And I walked out and I was on my way to Tokyo to visit my parents. Mm-hmm. And as I walked out, the girl's like, you're going to get the grant. And I'm like, wow, cool. So I got on, I landed in Tokyo. I said to my folks, good news, bad news. Going to work with Rena McNeil for a year. Yeah. Taking a deferral on med school. Uh, they were not happy. No. Uh, and off they I went. They were Rita McNeil fans? No, they, yeah. Who isn't a Rita McNeil fan? Uh, but uh, yeah, no. And I did that for a year. And then I, I got a job at a company back in the day called The Agency. Um, they had all the biggest music acts in the country. Wow. And I worked with them for about a year. And then I went back and did an MBA at University of Toronto. Got a full full ride for that as well. Wow. And then I got out and I was like... See, the business chops, it sounds like. Yeah, so I I went to work in package goods marketing for a bit as a brand manager because I wanted to know what happened behind the curtain because I was always pitching these guys for ideas and and it was hard to get, really understand what was happening. I didn't have any real business background in that sense, you know, formal package goods stuff. So I worked on Welsh's grape juice and Ocean Spray and stuff. And then after not very long, maybe like 18 months, I was like, man, not my scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I got a... <clears throat> I um, what did I do after that? I think that's pretty much. I think around the time I started, I, I yeah, I I quit and um, I started Batcave, hmm. which was my first artist management company. What did you see in that interview with Rita McNeil's manager that, you know, like what were the things you said that said, okay, this is this guy is serious. I'm you know, not going to talk so about it anymore. So long ago, yeah. I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm pretty energetic. Yeah, um, I had a pretty good business going like i had 25 
um, people working for me in university as a student. I had a student painting company. Yeah. So I twenty and and I stopped doing college pro, mm -hmm. and then I started my own company, and I fran started franchising that started around. <laughs> yeah, so I had three franchises going. So I think he thought I was a bit of a go getter. Wow. And, and this is all at university. Yeah, and I was just like, hey man, I want to do this, and he's like, as long as you promise that when you start this, you'll finish the program. He goes, people. He had done it before. Oh. Apparently, people had quit. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and I was like, "Yeah, if I start, of course I'll finish it." Mm -hmm. And uh, and I did. And um, yeah, and I um, yeah, I met a girl on on the road and <laughs> moved okay. up to moved up to Toronto and got the job with the agency. Yeah, that's why I moved up here. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, so home is out east, like. Yeah, that's okay, where okay. I was raised. Okay. Okay. Uh, heading there on. Sunday, Glass Tiger plays the Metro Center. Okay, which Halifax. Was, yeah, it's just like you know, pretty fun. Um, that's where I saw all the big shows when I was a kid, like yeah. you know, Sticks and Brian Adams and Loverboy and April Wine and all, all right. those Canadian yeah. classics. You know, uh, so they're playing a special guest for Johnny Reed. Yes. So my, I'm meeting my parents and I'm taking them to the show and mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of kind of like a full circle thing. I had another band I had signed years ago called Joy Drop. Okay. And I got them a big U.S. record deal, and they opened for Alanis Morissette's tour in Canada. Yeah. So I went down and took my folks to that show, too, which was, again, you know, man, you go back to your roots. It's a big theater. Uh, like, it's an arena, sure. right? Sure. I think it holds about 14,000 people. So having your band open up there, you're standing at the soundboard down on the floor, and mm -hmm. it's like, it's a sort of a, a coming-of-age kind of moment. That must be um, amazing. Yeah, and I, I left the music business um, in around early 2000s and started my ad agency and um, had a good run with that. Uh, we focused on a lot of music stuff. So for me, I just got back. I retired in 2008. Okay. Sold my ad agency and retired in 2008. So I just... Nice. So I just came back, got into the music industry, and um, again, you know, in the last few years. So for me, it's... It's kind of fun going back to the Metro Center again. It's like another round. You've done a few yeah. circles, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, like <clears throat> I, I I did management for a number of years. I worked with a band out of Woodstock. Um, I re revitalized the Nylons career. They were bankrupt when I met them, and I got them new record deals and touring around the world, and that was a good run. And then Joy Drops, big record deal. We had a couple top 40 hits in the U.S. was a lot of fun. Um, but we got offered the... Um, opening and closing credits on this uh, movie called American Beauty yeah, yeah, back right. in the day for Joy Drop. And we had a single, and we were, it was top 10 at that point. And the record company said, no, we couldn't do it. Because huh. they, they thought in their infinite wisdom that it would uh, cannibalize sales of, uh, of the record, which was kind of nonsensical because the band, nobody, had, nobody knew them yet. They were just mm -hmm. brand new, right? Um, and I was like, I just have to get out of management. Like I said, I worked for two years to break the act. Here's the moment that you wait for, mm -hmm. and I've got a record company that doesn't understand. That says no. Yeah, so I said I can't do this anymore. So, I, I um, my ad business was really big. Um, I kind of had two companies going, and I was doing a ton of work for Pepsi, a uh, ton of work for Benson and Hedges, and all of a sudden, I, you know, one year I was just like, wow, like I, I'm working. I was working seven day weeks, hundred hour weeks. I was like, this will be a nice break, and I just found managers for the bands and just stepped aside, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that company did really well. Um, and I sold that company, I don't know, early 2000s to uh, an internet company, an online uh, agency. Hmm. Took a year off, came back, started a new company, the Jetstar Group. That was bigger. Same kind of stuff, a little bit more sophisticated, you know. Um, 
and I did that until 2008, and we had I had five companies going then. We wow. Had, uh, we had. Um, you like to keep busy. It's. Well, I was. Yeah, I was busy. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, yeah, and then I sold that in 2008 and retired at 42. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Nice. And then you got bored. <laughs> and came back to work. That's what happens. Yeah. 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 Retirement's highly overrated. It's... I mean, they beat it into you like that. That's what you're supposed to do. And and I was sitting there. Uh, and, you know, when you're working 100 hour weeks for a few years, the thought of like, you know, just spending a few years on a beach seems really appealing in yeah. your office. But, you know, you get out there to the beach and after a month or so, you're like, OK, that was good. Now what? Now what's you know, next? It's, yeah. It's not that exciting. Yeah. Really. Well, I, I'm sure like if you're at school and you're running a business with yeah. 30 odd employees yeah. and, and then you're at school and, and then you start to, you know, you start your own business and you franchise that. It sounds like you're the type of person that just enjoys the thrill, not just of being busy for busy sake, but it sounds like you're you're one of those people that just needs to be productive. As, I like as growing many hours. stuff. I like, yeah. I like developing stuff. I think that's why I like management. I like uh, hmm. helping people um, <clears throat> either streamline a business that's already existing or, or grow their business. Hmm. I mentor a lot of young business people. You know, it's, okay. it's I, I, yeah, I genuinely love watching stuff grow. You nice. Know? Yeah. So tell me about Batcave. Batcave was your first music, first management yeah. company. Yeah. 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 We had, uh, I signed the band. The out band? Of Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. It was my first client. They were pretty crazy. Like the band? Yeah. Rick Danko and, <laughs> okay. and Levon Helm. Uh, wow. Robbie wasn't there anymore. It, the record we were working on at the time was called High on the Hog. Now, when was this? Mm, 95. Okay. Yeah. Then, um, they had a new, they had a great project going. So I worked with them for like less than a year. It was truly unmanageable. I, I mean, oh, wow. I learned a lot of working with these old. Too many personalities? or uh, Addictions, personalities, uh, okay. uh, lots of stuff. It was, <clears throat> it was a good learning experience, but it was, it was truly, we have an, uh, you know, a, a music industry expression, you know, it's impossible to manage an unmanageable situation hmm. and it was unmanageable, but I did learn a lot and I had a lot of fun and, um. I cherish the time I spent with Levon on the porch drinking Coca-Cola and uh, talking about music and uh, <laughs> his growing up in Turkey Scratch, Arkansas, and all that good stuff was fun. And Rick Danko was a great guy. Um, and then I came back to Toronto and, and somebody said, hey, the Nylons just left their manager. They're looking for somebody. Had a meeting with them, signed those guys. Mm -hmm. They were um, more manageable. They, what does a manager do? Um so it's kind of like being a brand manager in packaged goods. Okay. I think you know um, you have a creative vision for the mm. pro, you know that for the project. Yeah. And depending on the kind of artist, whether it's a baby band or a mature act, um, so the Nylons already had an image and a persona. Mm -hmm. So in that case, you're maybe cle cleaning up, tidying up a brand image. You know okay. what I mean? Like uh, maybe it's a an old uh, Pepsi logo that needs to be refreshed and you need to, mm. you know, maybe they're losing some market share and you want to refresh, you know? Yeah. So there's those. And then there's the baby band situation where you sign like a joy drop where you're actually developing. They're like, this is our vision. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, let's help build that. So you're doing everything for making sure that the uh, creative is being executed the way the band wants. They're playing shows that would make sense with the, the brand. Okay. Um, so you're responsible for touring uh, getting the right record company, hopefully, back mm. in the day. Nowadays, you don't necessarily need the label anymore, but you know it, it depends on how you look at that. Um, so there's an artistic, creative vision. There's also an economic vision that you're trying to realize mm. for them. Um, so you talked about yeah. um, the nylons; they were bankrupt. Yeah. Um, so so tell like tell me about that. How did 
I'm, I'm sure that's something that they came to you with saying, guy, you know, we, we need cash flow, we, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, they had, a, they had a manager that was sending them out to play for shows where it cost them. Like, I just did the math on their show. It's pretty, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Apparently for some it is. Uh, but it's just like, how much does it cost you to do a show? And you just do the math. You can do this on the back of a napkin. Yeah. And then I look at how much they're playing, getting paid. I'm like, wow, you're losing a thousand bucks every time you play a show. I mean, it doesn't, wow. take, doesn't sure. take long to... I mean, so they were they were living on cash flow, but they were mm. losing money. So at the end of the year, every year, they were getting deeper and deeper in the hole, and the manager didn't get that. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, there is certainly every industry. Uh, music's funny because there mm. are a lot of people that really shouldn't be doing what they do. And I'm yeah. sure there are other industries. I'm sure in tech and, yeah. and uh, social media, marketing, whatever, there's probably lots of people that aren't maybe all-stars. But uh, this was pretty basic. Um, and then... I got them back to their roots. They were an acapella group. And yeah, they, that's right. They, they made it a couple of big hits in America. Um, one was called Na 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 Na, Hey Hey, Kiss Him Goodbye. Yeah. Top 10 on Billboard. It was a big deal. Um, so I found these acapella groups in America. Like, um, And it was the internet was just getting rolling in the mid-90s. You're probably too young, but uh, <laughs> you know, it was just getting rolling. So I found some forums and I found some groups that were into acapella and there was one called Primarily Acapella. Okay. Uh, it was out of uh, San Francisco. And it was an, a tech, multimillionaire tech guy. Oh, wow. Who, yeah, just loved acapella. Yeah. So he had built like a portal where you could buy acapella music. So we started, yeah, connecting with those guys, judging shows, getting, I was judging, which was hilarious because I knew nothing about acapella. <laughs> but I was the manager for the Nylon, so I must be an expert. You must be, no, you must must be an expert. And then uh, we had, um, we'd headline the shows and then they gave us a record deal because they had, you know, money and they loved sure. acapella. So then, and we got distribution and the Nylons were big in Holland, Japan, Canada, US again. So yeah. And then touring and just smarter shows and better plays and more money. And yeah, they came to me at the end of the first year and they said, we've never made so much money in our entire career. And I was like, that's really kind of sad. Because they, Yeah, their their previous manager had apparently maybe taken, no, I don't taken is the right word. But anyway, they were in lawsuits with their previous manager. I, I don't know, huh. you know, if it was misunderstandings or actually mm. money. I, I don't know. But, yeah. You know, bands don't often realize that when they're flying around on private jets that they're actually paying it's for It's costing it. something, yeah. right? Someone's paying for it. Because mm. it's curious, because I've always wondered. I've been to a bunch of concerts the past few years, mm. um, and I just take a look around and I go, like, you know, how much do they want to take home? Yeah. Plus, how much, you know, how much are they paying all the roadies? Yeah. And how much for all the equipment and the gas <clears throat> and sure. the transportation? Yeah, and the tour and buses. I go, and I go, yeah, yeah. I, I did pay a hundred bucks for this. Yeah. But it's still expensive. Yeah, but the sh the band's walking away with so little at the end of the day. It's amazing. Yeah. And there's t-shirt sales. Management commissions. Yeah. You've got uh, agent fees. You've got business management fees. So, you know, by the time, if they, if they, if the show grosses a hundred grand, there's 30 grand off the top, just going to your team. Hmm. Now you got 70 and now you have to take off the tour buses, the crew, da, 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 da. Yeah. Now you're down to like 25 or 30 grand if you're lucky. Hmm. And then you got to start paying the salaries if you've got a, you know, Johnny Reed on this tour has got 10 people on stage with him. Everybody's got to get paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it goes fast, and the band guys are the last guys to get paid. They are, yeah. really, yeah, because yeah. you got to pay everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was I was going to ask you, this relates to a question I wanted to ask you later on, but I might as well ask it now. Um, it seems that everyone's back on tour. 
again, right? Okay. I mean, oh, I mean, you mean the older act? Yeah, I mean, yeah. YouTube, YouTube has has never stopped uh, no. touring. Yeah. Um, Rolling Stones every few years goes back on tour. Um, the Eagles are, are still touring. Uh, what's what's uh, Elton John is doing like a three year final final farewell, yeah. farewell. I don't know how many years <laughs> this this finale two two and a half years. Um, Pearl Jam arguably hasn't put out anything interesting, but they are you know they're touring South America and Europe and everything sure. like that. Um, is, is it because it's so hard? to make money these days in music well there's no other revenue streams really i mean hmm. the touring is the big revenue stream um <clears throat> streaming revenue just to overuse the word for a second yeah is starting to come back up again but it's still a pittance and um you know spotify is owned uh you know the major labels have a big chunk of ownership so the labels are starting to get money again mm -hmm. but the artists are still not necessarily seeing a lot of money and it's very much like uh spotify or <clears throat> the music industry in general is a i find a reflection of society there's a real polarization between lower and upper class okay so you know you, there used to be a big middle class in the music industry where mm. you know it was like a bell curve if you want to call it that maybe of, of uh, and it's, it's not like that anymore you're either drake Yes. Or you're somebody you've never heard of. Yeah. So there you have, uh, so obviously, and if you're at that big top end, then yeah, you're making some nice money on the streaming and the touring. Mm. But if you're, you know, a small, the whole club thing where you would go to Lee's Palace or yes. something, that is like, when's the last time you went to Lee's Palace to see a band? Like nobody yeah. goes anymore because that size touring venue is, is dying because the economics don't make any sense for that act. You'll see tour. a startup band and that's it. Like you're not going to see. Yeah, it's hard because yeah. whereas, you know, back in the day Nirvana played there, you know, like they'd come up and the van and play there and make some money and on a Canadian tour or whatever. But now it's like a 400 room place. Um, mm. You pay 25 bucks a ticket. People don't want to spend 25 bucks to go to Lee's Palace to see a band. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's hard. So the, that whole mid-level touring scene is has really slowed down so it's 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 uh uh yeah it's difficult yeah, yeah. I mean, right right off the bat you you start working with an iconic band the band um yeah and then you you know you work with a with a canadian i guess you know nylons were, were decent right i mean they were they, they were popular they were they had a they had a real thing for a number of years yeah. they had i don't know seven gold and five platinum records wow, in Canada. Okay. they sold they were a pretty mainstay mm -hmm. act in the early 80s um mm -hmm. they sold out every you know show after show yeah they flew around in private jets they were big what's what sort of things you know as 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 a as a newcomer to the space like what were you learning from these people um that management is a lot about managing people and personalities mm. um the business part of it is important um but it's 50 percent of it is is managing the people yeah you know um glass tiger has been fun coming back and connecting with glass tiger because they're so easy to work with that okay. i can focus on the business and a lot less on the drama mm. uh, really means that i'm getting more stuff done for them than i would um it's not very efficient if you have to spend half your day on the phone with the act calming them down yeah or whatever <laughs> you know yeah try to talk them into doing something that's <laughs> like very that they should be doing you yeah, know? yeah. And you're just like come on it's just obvious um these guys are just they have a lot of confidence in me and they're just like yeah if that's logical let's make that happen they work really really hard um 
yeah, we just got out there just finishing up a Johnny Reed tour, uh, 46 shows in 60 days. Wow, that's busy. They finish in Newfoundland and what should be like a big, let's have lots of beer and have a fun night out with Johnny. I got an opportunity for them to play in Quebec on a uh, CBC TV show in front of a million people for French Canada. Um, we had we did that six months ago and it was really cool. And then we play it sold out a nice theater in Montreal. So this uh, another opportunity came up uh, to for them to come and do this and sing with Veronique Ticard, who's a big star there. Okay. She, and uh, so they said, Hey, do you want to sing with her again on this show? And I'm like, Oh man, that's the day after the tour wraps. And I spoke to Al and he's like, Hey man, if you think we should go, let's let's go. We'll get up at six a.m. and fly out. Like they they work really hard. A lot of acts that would have been like, no man, we want to hang out and party yeah, or whatever. They're rest just for like, a couple of days. Yeah, and 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 who would blame them? Mm. You know that was that would be a uh, a logical, rational sure. thing for most people. That's not like being uh, unreasonable. But they were just like, yeah, if you think it's good, and I'm like, it, it's kind of good because Quebec was a big market for Glass Tiger. And okay. since I've taken them on, um, we've really um, done a nice job bringing that market back for them. Nice. Um, so yeah, so they're you know they work hard. Uh, they're easy to work with. I uh, wish they were all like that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they've been. It's been a really fun project. Yeah. So your 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 second, um, you know, so after Bat Cave, you got you, you got tired. You you went to work for agency. Uh, you started a business or two, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and then you you come back, and what was that? The second um, management music management company you started. Bat Cave. After Batcave. Oh, after Batcave. Yeah. I started, um, I started uh, an ad agency, which was also called Batcave. I had two okay, okay, companies, okay. Batcave Inc. and Batcave Productions. Okay. I uh, sold uh, the um, production company, which was the advertising side of it. Yeah. And then uh, came back and started a company called the Jetstar Group. Okay. Yeah. And we uh, was... Uh, back into music? Yeah. Like we were again, Pepsi hired me back when they okay. found out I came back to Toronto. They're like, hey man, we put you on retainer. Frito-Lay. Tying brands with music, I guess. Brands. We did fashion, music, okay. and gaming. Okay. Um, and then I worked with, I was sort of a, like a youth marketing advisor for a lot of the big uh-huh. brands. So I'd go in and ta- tell them, you know, quote unquote, what was cool. Before millennial the, was the word, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Millennial <laughs> was just starting to come in and I was getting out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was um, pretty, um, it was pretty uh, fun. We had a more sophisticated crew of people. Bat Cave. I always used to refer to my team, um, which I don't know if they'd appreciate now, but uh, <laughs> as the bad news bears, like we had, okay. we had like young marketing guys, you know, and and a ton of volume. So there was always a lot of balls in the air, and I I had a twitch in my right eye from the time I got up till you know seven oh years goodness. later from the stress, you know, to keeping everything going, you know, like one year I looked back and I had done. We had this thing called the Alley Cat Scramble with Dunhill, where we had uh, created a figure eight bicycle velodrome race sponsored wow. by Dunhill. And we had couriers coming from all over the world competing. And we'd fly them in to Vancouver and Toronto. Yeah. And we'd build this track that was 80 feet long and 25 feet wide and 20 feet high and in a pieces. And then ship it by rail car to Vancouver and back uh, twice a year. So I'm doing a couple of those a year. I did... 45 private Pepsi concerts one year, Pepsi Taste Tour, private shows, like yeah, three yeah. tours. Joy Drop toured for 250 dates that year. The Nylons had 100 shows. I did that with a staff of three people. Jeez. I mean, it was bananas. 
yeah. So anyway, those it's funny those that a lot of that crew went on, and they sort of made their bones at Backhaven. Like you know, one of the guys I'm having lunch with next week, he's vice president of a big ad agency now. Like he's a like big corporate ad. He's the man. Like it yeah. Was, like, he was my, you know, young kid then. Jesus. Right? It's twenty years later, you know. So, a lot of these guys have gone on to fame and fortune in the yeah. advertising world. Um, but <laughs> they back, stayed in. <laughs> back then, they were they were far from amazing. Uh, they were young and green, and <laughs> balls were getting dropped left and right. And I was like a professional juggler, but uh, but it was fun. You know, I had a lot of fun. What is it about reaching youth? Like, why why have companies always wanted to reach youth? Um, they have a back in the day. I don't know what it's like now. I haven't looked, but. Uh, Disposable income's really? great, right? Okay. It's all about disposable income. I mean, once you, once you're a little bit older and you've got a mortgage and babies, mm. your disposable income, is pretty, uh, yeah, predetermined, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's either housing, you buy now housing, cars, uh, or baby clothes. I mean, new new parents are probably a great target audience if you're in that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like they've got this, they'll spend a grand on a stroller. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> I gotta check out Joy Drop. I'm sure. I'm sure I recognize. You know, a few they had songs. a huge song was called Beautiful. Okay. I'm not beautiful like you. I'm beautiful like me. It's mm. like uh, it was a crazy track. Uh, Ron Saint Germain uh, was an amazing producer. Did that. Tara Sloan, the lead singer, has a. She's on TV now. That she's name got rings a, a bell. She's got a hockey show, hometown hockey. She's yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Tom Akai is a producer. Uh, Tony. So the group is not around anymore. Yeah, they just they okay. Just they sent still... me an email saying, "Hey, man, we're doing some shows. Come out and see us." Okay. Um, yeah. So no, they still they just as you they just started. They've been on a hiatus for a long time, and I think they played a show uh, last fall. So mm. I think they want to do some shows this summer. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't manage them anymore, but yeah. I, I, they were a, you know, an incredible live act. Nice. Know, absolutely incredible. Very proud to represent them, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, good, good group. So you retire in your 40s. Yeah. You're on the beach, <laughs> um, and... Was it you get a you get a call from somebody who says Glass Tiger's looking for somebody? No, I, I came back a couple of times at touch base. Um, yeah. I, I stayed in contact with this guy, Chris Taylor, who's Drake's lawyer for Canada. Like, okay. Uh, he's a good guy. He's now the head of E one globally for music. Okay. Um and he and I sort of came up together. He stayed in it, now he's a monster and I left it and now I'm just a little guy. <laughs> um and I came back and I said, Hey Chris, I'm I'm bored, I'm coming back to Toronto, mm-hmm. you know. What should I do? And he's like, hey, do you want to come work with me at uh, uh, here? And I'm like, no, I'm not really much, <laughs> of a jo- much of a job guy. I'd like to start a new company. Any ideas? And he mm-hmm. said, we need business managers uh, in Canada, which is all the boring stuff. It's like the taxes, the insurance, okay. business strategy, blah, 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 blah. So he's like, I, I can send you a couple clients right away if you want to start that company up. Mm-hmm. And I can keep an eye out, maybe send you a few clients now and then. Yeah. You know? And here, so... I uh, I started Turner Business Management uh, yeah. with uh, this guy Kay Trinata, who's gone on to won the Polaris last year. Okay, uh, pretty big fame and fortune around the world. Another uh, young DJ out of Halifax called Ryan Hemsworth. So Chris had referred those guys to me. Um, started with a bookkeeper who had been in the industry for a long time. We started that little company, and now we have sixty clients. And, and you're basically looking after everyone's money. Sort of yeah, thing. we have 80, 80 or eight client, eight staff and sixty clients. Wow. Um, we signed the largest Soka uh, star in the world. I was just down in Jamaica with him last week. Mm-hmm. Just got back actually. Um, yeah, we've got a pretty decent team. Um, and it, that's yeah. through 
not through Enlighten. That's no, it's Turner, Turner Business. That's Madden. Turner Business. Yeah, we call it TBM. Okay. Uh, we just uh, brought on Charlotte Day Wilson. She's a big uh, mm-hmm. young superstar in the making for Toronto. Um, so yeah, so that company's big and busy. I work. We I've got a bunch of accountants that work there. Yeah. Um, so I was just down in Jamaica with this guy Michelle Montano. He's like the Soka King. Um, so for those guys, like I advise them on stuff that's more business development. So we're gonna build like a cruise ship uh, around him, you know, like a Soka cruise. Okay. Uh, so I'll put that deal together. Mm-hmm. So they bring me in for that. So that's a lot of fun for me. Okay. But the day-to-day taxation and and stuff. There are experts. <laughs> yeah, I got CPAs and bookkeepers and stuff, and they deal with that. Um, when it comes to restructuring international tax stuff, I act like a producer, if you will, and I manage a bunch of tax experts and tax lawyers uh, to restructure companies and get the right corporate mm. structure for offshore stuff if it's applicable for foreign people. So that part of it's cool. Um, so one day, Glass Tiger just popped in the door, a referral from uh, – music agency Feldman that we work with they sent him over um he was telling me all about what he was up to Sam Reed walks in the door and I go hey who's managing you guys and he goes nobody we need a manager we've been doing it ourselves okay and I'm like well I'd love to manage you guys yeah and he goes well we'll meet with you and so they were meeting with a number of different people and uh, I met with him and then I met with Alan and then I met with Al Connolly and then they called me up and said, hey, we'd like you to represent us. And so that was my first new client. And I started a new management company, which is called Enlightened Management. All right. Okay. Yeah. And Enlightened Management to me was all about uh, running a business uh, using the principles of Buddhism, hmm. like just trying to, you know, a kindler, gentler approach to artist management. Um, I, there's a bunch of uh, videos and stuff on the website. Um, yeah, I've watched a few. Yeah. Though. So I, I just, I really... Uh, you know, when I was an artist manager before, like it was very, you know, I was younger, you work really hard and you're driven. But I think, I think there's, um, there's a place to just approach life differently as you get older, you know, and Mm. uh, it's been really, really um, rewarding, the the new company. So like, what's the difference between, let's say, let's say Glass Tiger, if it was a new Glass Tiger, um, versus um, these guys are mature, their parents, I don't know if any of them are grandparents, but they're older. They, you know, they can't run as long or as hard as maybe they used to 20, 25 years ago. Sure. What's, what's the difference then between the two in terms of how you deal with them now? Well, I mean, I think, you know, just a, that Newfoundland example, just as a mm. as one little thing is just, I, I don't, uh, you know, I call them up and ask them if they'd like to do it and I mm. give them the pros and cons. And I, I really just sort of let them decide. You know, it's like, here's what's going on. I think it's a cool idea. What do you guys want to do? Ten years ago, I'd be like, you got to do this, man. Yeah. You know, and, and instead of pressuring people into doing stuff, um, you know, try to recognize that. I think that's uh, like on a business thing. On an artistic level, somebody approached me. Well, it's happened a couple times already with acts that are making money commercially. Okay. Where you've got another member in the group who wants to do a side project that's mm-hmm. really cool, mm-hmm. but maybe doesn't make as much money, like is maybe not as easy to grasp. And uh, and I've sat down and said, hey, that's a really cool project. Let's make that happen. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's, let's do something um, that's not just money driven. 
You know, when you're younger, it's very I money see. motivated. Now it's more like let's let the art thing, and then and always I'm there to counsel them on art and commerce meeting and try to leverage uh. something. But you know, it's amazing if you do something from a pure perspective that's just like really positive and pure, mm. and you do it in a well thought out and executed manner how it has this crazy thing whereby it will somehow happen anyway hmm. and turn into a financially rewarding situation you know on a certain level sure you know, sure. You know what i mean yeah and so rather than just going oh no that'll never work which is you know what you hear every day yeah you're like hey let's do something let's let's try that maybe if we you know if you it's like a brand if you i always used to say like you know if you could get to the what the brand dna is Hmm. And then connect that with the early influencers of that brand. That's real. Interesting. And what you see is, you know, you get brands like, I don't know, like Mountain Dew was always a brand that to me wasn't very uh, authentic. Hmm. They always wanted to be cool, but they weren't really authentic. And the way that they did it was always an overreach. And I did a bit of work with, with um, some of those cooler brands in the early days. And you'd just be like, just dial it back a bit and be real. I see. And people will respond to it. So it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's that kind of thing. Are there, um, are there, you know, maybe you can give me an example from, from Glass Tiger or anyone else you work with, but are, are there any artists that you, that you look at and go, yeah, that they're focused on the music, they're focused on art, and you can see them, you know, connecting those dots or, or having both the commerce and the art intersect? Yeah, I can't really name names. I'm working on a couple of projects right now. Okay. Honestly, sorry. And when I, I press I, pause, you'll yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I can see. Fair enough. You know, I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, my uh, my wife's brother just shot the cover of Cycle World, which is the motorcycle okay. bible for motorcycles. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so he was. We were talking the other day at dinner, and he's a very humble, modest guy, but his work is, you know. They just brought him, flew him to L.A. to shoot the cover of Cycle World. It's like yeah. know, a big deal. I was like, you should do an art show, man. We should do, he does shoot, um, he races vintage Nortons in Grand Prix like at Daytona and stuff. Wow. Uh, which is in itself pretty cool. And he shoots all these vintage Nortons and vintage Ducatis and whatever. I'm like, we should do a, we should do a show. Mm -hmm. and, and let's make that happen. And, and so that's not something that's immediately necessary, necessarily like, not making money on that. Yeah. So the old me would have been, ah, that's a lot of work, man. Mm -hmm. The new me is like, that's a cool thing that should just happen. Yeah. Because you're super gifted and people should will be turned on by your photos. Let's make that happen in a cool way. And then you never know after you put that out there what will happen with it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, somebody's no. got to, I, I basically, I don't know, just taking on more initiatives because they feel good. Yeah. No, I totally, I, it's very interesting you say that because. So I'm I've, I'm a huge Neil Young fan, yeah. Myself, and um, he always, what's that saying? Zig when people think you're gonna zag or something yeah. like that. He he's always doing things, and sometimes I look at, you know, he did this hometown show up yeah, in Omimi, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was really interesting. It was like a, the same day or the day after, he releases a record with Promise of the Real, yeah. And I'm going, and and I in one side of my head I'm going. What the heck? Why is he? Do why is he doing a show with him? Why is he doing you know a totally different, totally separate? One has nothing to do with the other. Yeah. And I'm thinking to my head, he's always done this. He's always just done whatever, whatever he wants to do. Whatever he wants yeah. to do, whether it is um, like the, the Netflix movie that came out, you know, um, it's like it's because he just wants to do it. Yeah, Neil's pretty real. Yeah, yeah. He's always been. 
I've always really admired that he's just done his his own thing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think there's a certain degree of. Um, I mean, he's made enough money that you're sure. You know, he's a, he, he's provided himself some freedom. Um, I retired, so when I came back to work, it was more uh, less less um, mm -hmm. hunger. It's more about passion now. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to, but you know, uh, the the funny thing is, you know, my level of retirement and somebody else, I still watch guys drive themselves into the ground mm. who have lots of money that could retire yeah five times over <laughs> you know like i have guys i went to mba school with i'm like why are you still doing that man <laughs> not enough man i need more you another know, car I need, I need another more garage. yeah and i'm just like yeah it's so it and there's no judgment it, it's mm -hmm. cool um but i think people that just if you can um take a minute to, to focus on yourself i don't know i think i don't want to preach here on your show I, I just i've spent a lot so more go time, ahead and preach man a lot more go time just doing meditation and focusing on on good vibes and working with people that are cool i met you know i'm i had a meetings with an artist i was going to sign for management and we just got down to the short strokes and you send them a contract and it just the vibes were just negative it mm -hmm. was just he had a lot of baggage from a previous situation and i was just like that's cool there's just I don't want to work with you anymore. Mm. Like the, the, the vibes are not good and I don't want, I don't need this. Interesting. And, and it, it's like, I, I, I really am excited when I meet people that have positive energy. I, I was just explaining to another guy called me today to, to take a meeting. He's got a new record project. He's a fairly successful uh, Canadian guy with some gold platinum records, whatever. He's been around for a bit. And uh, I was just sort of explaining again, you know, just how great, uh, the vibes have been with Glass Tiger. The, the guys have just been, you know, super uh, to work with, mm -hmm. trusting and um, team oriented. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it's been really, it's been really good. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's hard to articulate in light management. I, I think it's just really, it's about trying to uh, work on projects that you're passionate about, work with people that you enjoy working with, and and do stuff uh, that's where you have to. You know, economics play a factor, but it's not the key driver. And Interesting. I think it used to be always the key driver behind everything. Did you ever? I'm I'm curious because it, you know, as as you're talking about it, it sort of reminds me of that movie Jerry Maguire. Okay. Right. I um, can't remember that movie. <laughs> show me the money. Show me the money. I remember right? that. There's that one. Show yeah. me the money. But then he also writes this this whole thing where he says, "I'm going to do it for the people." And oh yeah, I don't right. Remember, sorry. You know, yeah. and uh, and so I'm curious whether. And, and I know you don't do it for the money anymore, but I'm curious whether in the back of your mind ever you're going, man, I don't, did I make the right move? Am I, am I, am I doing the right thing? Did, did, you know, some of the people within your sphere of influence come to you and go, why, you know, why do you, why are you saying no to this guy? Why aren't you taking a meeting here? I'm curious about some Funny of the enough, feedback. Funny enough, the recent got. one that I just said no to, yeah. three people called me the next day and said, you made the right move. That guy is a Interesting. nightmare. Yeah. They're just okay. like, yeah, I, they're like, you totally, but I, I, my first few meetings with with that person were were I felt pretty solid, mm -hmm. and um, and then all of a sudden you know uh, he showed his colors and you're just like oh this isn't really you know fun mm. you know I don't think this is going to be a fun day to day kind of situation and so I just went I'm sorry but I got to move on from this and he was you know a little upset I'm like yes again sorry 
Um, but yeah, no, I had two or three people call me and said, no, you made, wow. absolutely made the right decision. So I was like, oh, okay. Where were you when I was making the decision? <laughs> Why'd you tell yeah, me yeah, three yeah. dates ago? Yeah, right? Why did you save me like eight hours of meetings? But anyway, yeah. Did you, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, would you have made that same no, decision where no. you tried to sell them? No, I would have just locked it in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I would have made some money on it. It's, it's just, interesting. Eh? Yeah, totally. Because totally. I, I look back, I, I used to have my own, you know, small agency, um, and I said yes to a bunch of, you know, clients. And I look back and I go, man, brutal. Yeah, yeah I did that too. Yeah, yeah, more money. You got to feed the family. Like I had yeah, staff, yeah, yeah, you got to pay the overhead. You take on projects you don't want, and inevitably those are the projects that are the worst ones because they're for whatever reason they always go sideways. Um, you know, I don't know if you noticed that, but I always was kind of like mm-hmm. the clients you didn't love. For whatever reason, those projects, something weird would happen with them. And these, those would be the ones. The clients that were pretty chill and would, like, forgive you for a mistake, everything went swimmingly well. Yeah. The guys that were on you all the time, that was always the one where oh. somebody put blue where it should have been red yes. on the print run. You always mess up. Yeah, That yeah, had yeah. nothing to do with you. Oh, yeah. And, and you sent it to the print <laughs> shop, and everything was on time. And then you get it back, and you go, what is this? Yeah. And the client's freaking out. And you're like, but you realize I don't run the print shop. I just mm-hmm. sent it off the file, and they messed it up. And I'll fix it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we're only human. And they're, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. <laughs> that was always like that. So I, I think, um, yeah. Anyway, I think uh, I'm having a lot of fun. Nice. Bottom line, yeah. Tell me about, you know, for the, for those people that are that are going to be uh, going to see Glass Tiger, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're playing in Massey Hall. Yeah. Uh, it's later sold on. out. Yeah. Pretty exciting, yeah. T- you know, what can people expect? Is it going to be um, sort of the pop rock stuff that they, that they you know, originally came out with? Are they going to be more acoustic? Are they going to be a little bit harder? What, what can what can some of their fans expect? Well, it's going to be a combination. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, with this Johnny Reed record. Yeah. We reimagined they reimagined i didn't have anything to do with it they reimagined johnny <laughs> actually did a beautiful job producing this record okay um because you know they did their few records and then the labels just keep reissuing you know greatest hits packages more there's more greatest hits packages than our original the records. original it's stuff absurd. totally absurd <laughs> you know uh, i think they're still reissuing them this year there's more packages so but when alan was recovering from his stroke and he ran mm-hmm. into johnny he's like i want to do a record and johnny's like great we'll do that it'll be both friends and family and da da okay and then the next day, Johnny calls him up and he goes, I've been listening to these songs and I would like to redo them because they are friends and family, man. You've been living with these songs for your whole life. And if you're not in, in the music industry, that might not make sense to okay. you. But if you've played music and you have, those are friends and family, you know, they mean mm. stuff, you know. So they went down to Nashville, this place, and they reimagined. They brought in these great Nashville players and they took these, you know, overproduced pop of like now sure. not then but now sort of overwrought kind of pop rock productions mm-hmm. and they're sort of celtic influenced uh, acoustic things eh, they're beautiful you know and and they're just it showcases the songwriting because alan and sam are great songwriters mm. i mean alan wrote the olympic theme song i That's believe right yeah nikki and uh you know and 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 he wrote this song with johnny called fire it up Mm-hmm. which was Joe uh, Joe Cocker's last big hit before he passed away. The oh. tour, the last tour in Europe that Joe was doing when he yeah. died was called Fire It Up. It was the title track of the tour was the one mm. Johnny and I. Like, he's still, they're still very great writers. And um, and the song that's the most popular on the record that we're getting the most spins is called Way Your Family, which is sort of a Gaelic version of With Your Family. Okay. Written by, uh, by Sam Reed, the keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And him and Alan co-wrote a lot of the hits. Um, and that's the one that everybody's listening to on Spotify. That's the one that's getting all the, getting all the, um, 
spins, but yet we can't, you know, in Canada, uh, we can't get radio support for that. You know what I mean? Uh, huh. Because of the formats, the radio stations play different styles of music now. So uh, a couple of stations picked it up uh, right off the hop and just started playing it anyway because they like the song. But sure. it's hard to get charting action and traction when you're going against the, the yeah, grain. I enough. was surprised. I thought CBC would get on it. Um, but they're having a major sort of reshuffle at CBC. Okay. And they're like trying to become hipper, which I think is really sad mm. uh, because there's enough hip stations. Out yeah, there. there's a lot enough commercial stations. CBC was to me like, you know, another songwriter that I love in Canada, Donovan Woods, uh, who's mm. a client of TBM. I just think is one of the best writers in the country right now. He gets played a lot there. And I thought when they heard this new way, your family, we'd be a shoe in. Yeah. And it was like, no, we're playing Donovan Woods and the weekend. <laughs> just like, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, no, so I think they're going to do like a, definitely like an homage to the record. And then I think they're going to do a nod to, you know, I think they're going to rock the place because yeah. they like doing that. Um, nice. And I think we're going to have some cool special guests. Uh, you think you know, you, you you can spill a few beans. I don't know. Okay, sure. <laughs> I know some that are coming together. Okay, I mean uh, Julian Lennon is from uh, you know is, who was on the record said he he's gonna he's gonna do his best to make it. The reality oh, is wow. he's just released a new book. Mm. He's on tour. He doesn't know his schedule yet. Fair and enough. I know as a manager. Yeah, you know the artist is like, hey, can I do this? And you're like, I don't know, man. You just gotta wait and see how the you know, the, the chips fall. And then mm -hmm. if you, we got a free date, we'll flip you out there. Yeah. Um, Alan Doyle was on the record. He's like, again, I'll play if I'm not in the U S yeah, yeah. on tour somewhere. You know what I mean? Obviously sure, if sure. he's off with a big theater show in, in Portland, he's not going to turn that down to do a song with us at Fair Massey Hall. But, yeah. but people have overwhelmingly said that they would like to come out and, and support it. Um, nice. And that's the, for Glass Tiger, that's their first ever play of Massey Hall in their career. That's amazing. Yeah. Because there was that one, there was one point in time where they were like one of the top bands. Well, they've sold the out country. Ontario Place Forum three nights in a row. Yeah. back in the day, but they never played Massey. Wow! So it was it's a it's an iconic thing, and it's just sure. a few days before they closed. Just down before for the they reno. closed down. Um, and I think Dean Cameron, who signed them to uh, the record deal back in the day, mm -hmm. will introduce them. He's now the head of Massey. There's gonna be a lot. Oh, of, it's wow. gonna be a beautiful night. It's oh, gonna, that's it's fantastic. It's really gonna be a beautiful night. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I want got some sort of general music questions for you before before we cut this out. Um, you know, you, you talked about getting spins on Spotify and not being able to get on in, in, into CBC. Just your thoughts, you know. Yes, I still hold the candle that CBC will <laughs> call me one day, but we'll see. What's the future of, of radio in terms of music? What do you What are your thoughts on that? Um, in my vehicle, I have Apple hmm. CarPlay, and okay. I drive up to the cottage and I listen to Spotify. Yeah. And I still have Sirius Satellite in there. Yeah. I haven't listened to a terrestrial radio station aside from, you know, um, CBC FM because my wife puts it on sometimes. Yeah. Um, I would say within, I think within 10 years, they'll be. Wow. That's, I mean. Yeah. You know, so I could be, I, I'd love to know what somebody that's actually in the mm -hmm. radio industry would say. They might think I'm absolutely nuts. But, um, yeah, like, I, I think the cars will all move into Apple CarPlay kind of situations. Interesting. Yeah. You know, back back in the day, you know, whether, you know, in, in Toronto, you had you had rock rock stations there was back then, you know, Chum FM was a rock station. Um, CFTR, yeah. you know, played music, you know, before they were yeah. all news. Um, and and you'd you'd listen for DJs and DJs had a personality. Um, they broke music though, too. Yeah. They added value by by curating music. 
do, and now they don't do that anymore. Where do we work? Where, where can music? Where can we find that anymore? Well, I mean, Spotify and Apple curate li- song lists. Mm-hmm. Spotify sends out your daily mix yeah. know, based on other algorithms and so forth. Apple curates has people actually personally curating stuff for mm-hmm. you. Um, so they're trying, and I, that will evolve, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, in order, you know, and again, I say this with completely no qualifications to talk <laughs> about radio at all. And, and uh, if there's somebody in the radio business could you know, give me an update on that by all means, send me an email. But I feel like in order for radio stations to survive, mm-hmm. they, you may see something where, you know, an edge or something will begin to, to curate and break new developmenting developmenting, developing acts. Um, I could see that being a value. Then you would turn that radio station on again. Mm. I, I think that's the one thing missing with Spotify and Apple as, and they are doing it, but one of the things I noticed when I was, you know, had my five or six years off um, <laughs> was I listened to um, Sirius FM a lot. Okay. And I listened to a radio station called Spectrum. Hmm. And they broke new music. Okay. And so I learned all the new stuff I was listening to over that five or six years was stuff I'd heard on the Spectrum. Spectrum. Or hmm. Tom Powers' CBC Morning Show. They were always introducing new yes. cool music as well. So those were my two new music sources. But again, to your point, looking for new sources of music because the internet um, or the these uh, streaming stations have a lot of music, but it's like overwhelmingly, it's like drinking through a fire hose. Like where do you start? Mm. Where do you stop? Yeah. So I, I think um, in order for the terrestrial stations to win, they need to start adding some value. I mean, just playing the same top 20 hits over and over again isn't going to really... It can only take you so far, can yeah, it? It's, yeah. Anyone who's associated with music, I always ask them this question because I'm very curious. i got to interrupt. i got to tell you one little story. So we yeah, go yeah, to, please, we go please. To, so Glass Tiger goes up to a station. Yeah. And, you know, don't forget me when I'm gone. Sure. You know, number one hit, number of different countries around the world. Um, and we go to a classic rock station in Toronto and we're like, hey... You want to play that song? And they're like, our listeners only get to hear what they already know. And we're like, what? So we could play the classic rock version, Don't Forget Me When You're Gone, because you're coming in to do an interview. We're like, yeah, that's cool. But what about this new, amazing, modern version that's just been done by Canadian superstar Johnny Reed? Could you play that? Yeah. Like once. Yeah. Yeah, no, we can't do that. Really? Like, so to me, that dogmatic approach to doing something when you've got the artists that are in your studio that have just spent all their heart and soul to make this record to not give it one spin yeah that's going to be the death of the radio like the terrestrial radio stations to me because mm. it was just kind of like it was just it was i think we got a chuckle out of it because it was like really like that's just bizarre strange to me i thought it was odd yeah and yeah. i was just like wow but Nonetheless, you know, you, 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 it's the business is always um, unless you're Drake or, uh, you know, and, and I qualify that Drake this month because you never know when that star sure. will, will fade. But you're always put, you're either breaking an act, mm-hmm. you know, because they're brand new or you're trying to maintain some sense of relevance when you're older. It's mm. always a push. And that's part of the fun because when you win, it feels great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. You no, 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 that's fine. Yeah. Love, love these stories. Um by all accounts, successful band. They sell tons of records. They play stadiums. Um, why is Nickelback so hated? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know why they're so 
uh, why people line up to hate that band. Um, I think, yeah, you know, I don't really, my only thought with Nickelback, which I think is both a good and bad thing, is they're very formulaic in their approach. And, and I think, frankly, like pop songwriting mm -hmm. is a disciplined craft if you want to make a number of hits. I mean, sure. it's not to say you can't have a hit song randomly. Right, um, <laughs> but this, those guys pumped out a lot of hits. Yeah, a lot of hits. Um, and uh, Chad would sit there in the studio, according to the stories I've heard, with a stopwatch, getting into the hook on the first. You know, really, because radio wants that hook in fifteen seconds. Fair enough. Twenty seconds. You know, you can't just meander along for a minute. It's too late. You know, so he'd be sitting there going, "Nope, we got to cut that out. Nope, faster." And then boom, boom, boom. So I don't know if that's where people subconsciously feel like it's it's too formulaic. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, that's about it. I don't know. I don't know. That's really strange. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they 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 will come out and tour again. Yeah, um, and they'll sell out. And, and they will sell a lot of <laughs> tickets, and they will make a lot of money. And uh, I mean, I think the funny thing is in Canada we should celebrate that. Yeah, right? because it's really by strange. them doing that. Theory of a Dead Man and these other bands in Canada that sound like them, they've kicked doors down for them. And and by them selling so well, it's, hel it's helped other Canadian rock acts get a meeting in New York or mm -hmm. L.A. that wouldn't have otherwise got a meeting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So no, I totally get to it. To me, we should be proud of Nickelback, but, but they're, yeah, it's... Celine Dion as well, though, you know, uh, Canadians, sure. a lot of Canadians, you know, make fun of Celine Dion. I mean, she's an incredible talent. Yeah. But, you know, it's in Canada, I don't know, is it maybe just our um, uh, we're a little bit um, self-conscious, we're a little bit uh, insecure as a country. We don't like people succeeding too much. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit too big or something. Avril Lavigne, like a lot of the big superstars, mm -hmm. and, and ironically, the ones that stayed in Canada are the ones that get the most uh, flack. The superstars mm -hmm. that have left the country seem to be, we still seem to feel like we need them more. You Interesting. Know, back to Neil Young. And yeah. Those people, like, when they leave the country, it's like, oh, we've got to be nice to them. We want them back. Yeah. And, you know? But if, you, if you've stayed in Canada, like Nickelback and Avril and those guys and paid your taxes, <laughs> uh, you know, your tons and tons of taxes for all those records you sold, um, they're not as heralded or as, as uh, to me, as they should be. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, any up-and-coming artists, you know, whether they're with you or not, that as Canadian music lovers we should keep our eyes on well, i mean i think charlotte day wilson just sold out to uh three nights at the danforth music hall last week mm -hmm. um and she's got a new record out um she's an incredible talent 25 years old i mean daniel caesar just blew up out of canada last wow. year they're all uh, bad bad not good yeah um, these are all sort of um new great talents coming out kate Trinata, um producer uh dj um uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a great guy we, we work with called Alex Valise. He's, um, you know, Latin music, mm -hmm. which is a tough go in Canada. But he's had, you know, uh, one song with a couple uh, hundred million spins on Spotify. Wow. Like, like crazy numbers. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff coming out. We see a lot of new uh, Neon Dreams, a little band out of yeah, Halifax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of our clients. They've had a great year. Um you know, and I and, and they've had a lot of American interests, so there we haven't heard everything we're going to hear from those guys yet. I nice. think they're still going to 
move on out. There's lots of stuff happening, you know. There really awesome. is a lot of a lot of great talent. Good stuff. And when's yeah. Glass Tigers coming? When June is that? A June twenty third is Massey Hall. June twenty yeah. third, Massey Hall. Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. a good show. It is gonna be great. You're gonna be there, right? I'm gonna be there. Tickets, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, and you know, not not that I'm choosing, but uh, my wife and I've really grown to enjoy the Arkells. Oh, and the Arkells guys. are playing the same day. Oh no way! In in Hamilton, she was, so she's asking, "Are we going?" I said, "I can't go." I go on. We've got, I've got the Glass Tiger concert to go to. Yeah, that's a, tough one. that's a tough one. They're, that's but yeah, they're, they're another. But they're the Car- Arkells is an example of a band yeah. that's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Taylor that we talked about earlier from yeah. D1 manages that band. Uh, Doing a good job of, with them. Well, it's been a long vision, and those guys are breaking stateside a bit. Yeah. Canada, they're huge, mm-hmm. and that's just been uh, like a um, bit tough, <laughs> tough For one. sure. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. thanks so much for dropping yeah, my by. Pleasure. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you Cheers. so much, yeah, uh, all of you, for listening. Uh, to girthradio.com we record here out of the pacific junction hotel in downtown toronto if you enjoyed this episode check out episode 102 with david gray if you want to hear more stuff from this podcast go check out uh, kareem kanji welcome on girthradio.com you could also go to kareemkanji.com and see all of our episodes there because uh, if you listen to apple podcasts or stitcher or google play you could find all the links there on kareemkanji.com If you are an Apple Podcast listener, please subscribe, rate, and review. It will help uh, other people like uh, yourselves discover our podcast. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at Kareem Kanji. Andrew, is there anywhere people can check out what you're doing? Um, Enlightened Management. uh, It's Enlightened, and I just got MGMT as my um, Instagram. Awesome. Uh, Upcoming guests. We have Canadian champion, world champion, NC2A champion in the hurdles, Perdita Felicien, she's coming in studio, uh, and so is Grammy Award-winning member of Soul to Soul, Simon Law. And, of course, we have Glass Tiger founder and frontman Alan Frew coming in studio. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Bye-bye.